great way to bring in our first show in the RugbyMag.com College Rugger Matrix Series. Show number one, this is Alex Goff with RugbyMag.com, and we have a bunch of heavy hitters with us this week in our first effort with Pat Clifton, Bruce McLean, and Jackie Finlan. First off, whose fight song is that? Anyone? No one? Okay, that is Maroon and Gold. And it is the fight song of Arizona State University, and that's in recognition that Arizona State were the first team to win a game in the new college premier division in the first week they played Friday night and defeated Colorado. So in honor of the Sun Devils, that is maroon and gold. With that, we're looking at the opening of the college premier division in USA Rugby. It's a big weekend. We had a lot of stuff to do. Real quick, a rundown the scores. Arizona State defeated Colorado 48-19. Army over Rutgers 58-15. Dartmouth over Delaware 15-5. Navy over Ohio, Ohio State 44-26. Cal over San Diego State 95 to nothing. Texas A&M 28-18 over Oklahoma. Life 54-3 over Tennessee. Cal Poly 27-14 over UCLA. St. Mary's 52-10 over Davis. BYU 40-22 over Utah. Air Force 52, Wyoming 0. And Central Washington 44, Claremont Colleges 27. Notice that all the teams that were higher ranked in each of those matchups won. I don't think it's ever going to happen again that Rugby Mag gets the rankings that right that early in any season. So technically no real upsets. So we'll go around the group and, and see what people think about what, what games really excited you, got you interested, or you thought were intriguing in some way. And Jackie, Jackie Finlan, uh, with Rugby Magazine, uh, tell me a little bit about what you thought. So Army opened up their season with a 58-15 uh, win over Rutgers. Um, it was a pretty big victory for them, considering they had uh, two months almost of pure snow that prohibited them from uh, any scrimmages or exhibition matches. They're also running a pretty young line. They had six starters out. So it was a big opportunity for the young guys to step up, and Rich Collider was very excited by their performance. Um, talking to him after the game, he was looking over some of the stats, and though he didn't want to reveal anything too indicative, um, I think his biggest point of contention was a little more aggression in, in tackling and negative yardage. Or, uh, or behind the game line. What what about Rutgers? I I would have to say that Rutgers scoring three tries on Army is actually something of a moral victory for them. Yeah, I was thinking that it well. He didn't say much about the defensive performance, um, but he did mention that uh, Clyde mentioned that there were a few instances where he thought the team should have struggled more than they did, but they kind of kept their composure and were patient. So I'm assuming it's. Um, some inconsistency and just the, the fluidity in the defense. I'm interested in how teams do based on their their separation in the rankings. Army was number five according to our rankings. Rutgers we had last, number 31. And going through the rankings, it seems to me right now, at least from these results, one rankings difference is about two and a half to three points in a game. Army and Rutgers actually, they don't fit that that scenario because 43 point difference but we've got a 26 point ranking difference so so in that sense Rutgers uh, perhaps did better than you might have expected um, the biggest for me has to be Dartmouth's win over Delaware um, so the fact that it was on the road 
And uh, a lot of these, I mean, there were multiple road wins, you know, Cal, Central Washington, St. Mary's, but all those games were games that the uh, talent differential was so large that no matter where they played the game, uh, you know, Cal, Central Washington, St. Mary's were going to win. But Dartmouth and Delaware uh, should have been a close one. It was a close one. Dartmouth was able to travel nine hours, eight hours, and, and get the win on the road. So that says a lot to me about the team they're bringing and their ability to travel because I think that's going to be uh, – one of the biggest factors in this league is how well teams can travel. And, uh, you know, Dartmouth impressed me with that win. Then I'll also say the same thing about Oklahoma, even though they lost. Um, they only lost by 10 to a team that usually uh, beats them by considerably more. Um, you know, Oklahoma didn't even get out of the, their their league last year in D1. And uh, I think it shows a lot of improvement, the fact that they were able to, uh, uh, you know, go down to College Station, another long trip, and uh, and put up a fight against an A&M team that, that looks – you know, has looked poised, ready to break through and become one of the big boys in college rugby. We're talking about a real road win, not one of those things where you're on the road, but all you do is drive half an hour and go somewhere. You ha- you have to make a big travel. And, you know, I I think about back to not this previous fall, but the fall before that when Dartmouth lost to Syracuse in the playoffs and didn't in the Northeast playoffs. And they lost partly due to, you know, tough weather and uh, forward pack maybe wasn't dominating and, and things like that. And they go on the road to a, a forward heavy team in Delaware and they take care of business. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's huge that, uh, Dartmouth was able to take their, you know, pack up and go on the road and get a win. And not only did they go on the road and get a win, but they had guys coming in that, you know, that, that they have a, a little bit of a unique uh, winter semester there, and that, uh, that their juniors, uh, most of them have not been on campus all winter. Um, it's the way that Dartmouth works. You get uh, after your sophomore year, you stay an extra trimester over the summer, and then you get one off, and all the rugby guys took the the winter of their junior year. So they can be back uh, for spring and for uh, fall seasons, and uh, so some of the guys like Derek Fish, Paul Jarvis, some of their best players, not only had to travel but <laughs> traveled from their homes and from their internships, and uh, and came in and and met in Delaware, and they hadn't been training with the team, and you know to, to go, overcome that circumstance, as well as the travel to me says a lot about how good Dartmouth is, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how many of these you know pick them games or close games are actually won by uh, road teams because uh, I think home field advantage is going to be absolutely massive in uh, in this competition. Cool. What did you think, Bruce? What did you see? Well, the big game that really stood out for me is there's a couple of them. Life set a statement. They they really overwhelmed Tennessee 54-3. to And Tennessee has some people, and they've been in a Sweet 16 before. The fact that Life did that out of the box says to me that um, – they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. St. Mary's beating UC Davis. They they generally don't beat UC Davis by this kind of number, especially up at Davis where the, the field is probably not up to a uh, college Premier League standard. It's kind of high grass and a little bit narrow. So they were able to win a lot with the power up front of Nick Wallace, Matt Crawford, and Andrew Cook. And, and I think that when they – when they get Chad Clark back, they're going to really be a force to be reckoned with. And and the other game that really stood out to me was <clears throat> Central Washington against Claremont. I think that they probably would have wanted to put a bigger win, a, a bigger point score on and not give up that many points. So as, as I look at this, it 
and and obviously the the most compelling one was the BYU Utah match, where although it was a although it was an eighteen point spread, I think that Utah is probably the only team in that division who could keep eighteen points. And and what I'm looking at is Cal and St. Mary's of the class, Utah and BYU of the class, Life and most likely Arkansas State of the class, and and those are probably almost foregone conclusions for the playoffs. This depends on the order. Um, well, I guess BYU will be number one. Right. And then, uh, and then in the East, I think the East is the compelling division. That's the division where something strange can happen. But I don't see it happening anywhere else. But hey, I, I'm generally wrong on my predictions. So. <laughs> well, we, we 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 did pretty well, I think, in our predictions off the top of my head. And I think, like I said, the rankings the rankings won on the weekend and it'd be nice to see them do it again. I'm, I'm looking perhaps bigger picture on this, you know, I, I, because we got, we got, you know, who, who won, who, every, you know, the teams that expected to win, things like that. The, 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 one of the things I'm thinking about is who lost, but, but they did something. They made a statement and Pat, you talked about Oklahoma and I think you're absolutely right on the road, 28, 18 loss, nothing to be ashamed of. I think Claremont colleges, the other side of, well, central Washington should have put up more points or, or held Claremont to fewer points in that game. The other thing to point out is that Claremont colleges basically scored five tries in the second half against central Washington. And that's something that's an impressive piece of rugby right there the the big difference between those two teams they both scored five tries was a central washington had an outstanding goal kicker and claremont colleges didn't so i wonder you look at that and i realize claremont colleges wasn't on the road they were at home but that's that's a result for them that they could turn around and look and say hmm maybe you know maybe ucla maybe uh all uc davis those are those are games we can win now UCLA on the road, 27-14. Scott Stewart said to me yesterday, there's reason for hope. I think that's exactly right. And I, and I think the one that really surprised for me was Ohio State. I thought Ohio State was going to have some serious problems. And they, they did lose 44-26, but they scored four tries against Navy. And I think maybe Ohio State takes that, looks at some positives and said, you know, we're, we're doing well there. Um Bigger picture on the league, guys. Uh, the two things that struck out to me were Arizona State, Colorado played in front of about 700 fans under the lights. I'm told they outdrew the lacrosse team and the soccer team that were playing at the same time, right next door. And uh, then, of course, BYU, Utah, 6,000 fans at Rio Tinto Stadium. So is this is this the future? Is this what we want to see? Where we've got, and I and I'm not looking at a hundred thousand people like Michigan football. I'm looking at five hundred, a thousand, fifteen hundred people going to a to an intimate rugby venue and screaming and yelling at the players. Do we see any of that coming? I think so, absolutely. I mean, a lot of these teams play, uh, you know, good venues, and uh, and I would say that several hundred is is the low mark for a lot of the games and should be the low mark or the low target for a lot of these teams for their matches. I know, uh, uh, you know, Dartmouth and Delaware had a, had a good crowd. Um, the, uh, the weather, uh, dampened a little bit of uh, stuff for some people over the weekend. I know it did in Texas A&M. Craig coach was, uh, was upset that they only had 300 people there, uh, because it was rainy. <laughs> 300 people is a lot more than uh, a lot of college matches get. So if that's your low mark, I think you're doing good so far. 
Um, and uh, we'll see what happens. You know, Minnesota has done a great job of marketing a one game a year and getting thousands, and you know, two, three, four, five thousand Minnesotans to go watch a rugby game. Um, and, and I think that that is that's the model. And I think that uh, Utah and BYU have something special in Utah. But uh, you got to kind of do what you can. And 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 there are some great rivalries and great names in this uh, this college premier division. They uh, I think that uh, these teams all know that it's their job to get people to their to their matches, and 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 they're doing it, and they're going to continue to do it. I, I agree, Alex. I, I I think that you you have an on campus an on-campus crowd that needs things to do on a, on a Saturday afternoon. And, and these matches are compelling, and these players are serious. And I think there's going to be very good crowds. There's going to be certainly games where there's going to be several thousand. I think that at, at the Cal-St. Mary's game, there's going to be several thousand people there. I think that there'll be several thousand people at the Army-Navy game. I think that there, there'll be several thousand people probably at the Army-Penn State game. And and I think that when life plays Arkansas State, provided that that game is in Atlanta, I think that you can have a pretty a pretty hefty crowd there as well. So th- there's a lot of compelling matchups that are going to be big, and and then add to the fact that the the playoffs are going to be played in Glendale, and the, and the semifinal matches will be played in Glendale, and then the final is going to be played at Rio Tinto in conjunction with the high school national championship. You're looking at the the final the championship final is going to have ten thousand plus easy, and I think that the uh, I think the semifinals will probably have in the two to three thousand range at least. Jackie, what was you, did you get any feedback on the Arizona State Colorado game? Um, well, along the same vein, um, David Lane at Arizona State, you just reiterated the fact that. You know, it's, it's all about they want to raise the profile of rugby on campus. So it, it's just another part of the equation in um, promoting the league and the sport on their campus. Alex, I got a quick question. Or Jackie, I have a quick question. How did the football players do for Arizona State this week? They did well. They both scored tries. Uh, one, one of them was uh, was co-captain. They made him co-captain, right? Yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah, I think I think Cole was co-captain. He's the one with the the rugby experience. I think the the one I'm interested in was the guy who doesn't have much rugby experience, which is Coin, who um, I think correct me if I'm wrong, Jackie. I think he scored twice. Yeah, he did. And how did Mo Kate do this weekend? Uh, he did well. I don't know. Uh, I haven't gotten the, uh, the scores from Oklahoma. Me and, uh, their coach Kenny Forehand have been going back and forth. But, uh, Craig Coach definitely mentioned him as, a, a player that played well for OU, but he also spoke to how balanced they were. Um, and that they had a lot of, uh, a more talent and more athleticism than they had in the past. And that, uh, across the board, they were playing well. So I don't know that Mo Kate took over the game. But, uh, you know, Mo Kate's one of the best players in the country, uh, indisputably. So I'm sure he didn't play that poorly. Well, what what happens with these teams when we you know when we're talking about a team and we say we think so and so is good? We say that partly because we know that there's a really good player on the team, but I don't know about if that always translates into a, a performance on the field. Certainly, uh, BYU Utah BYU keyed on threatened Palamo and wanted to try to take him out of the game into a large. To, to a large extent, succeeded. But then we talk about, you know, I, I didn't want to get too hung up in uh, um, Trevor, Trevor Cole and Chris Coyle for Arizona State 
and and keep saying, oh well, they've got these football players. They're going to be awesome because they're good athletes, and you know, get caught up in all that. And then it turns out maybe they're not the difference, but they play great. They're they're stars of the game. So I I get confused about that as to whether to focus on one player. Taylor Mokate's great for Oklahoma, therefore Oklahoma's great. I don't know if that works. Sometimes it seems to. It does. Well, it certainly has not worked for Oklahoma because I mean. Well, Kate's always been good, and he's been there for years, and uh, they've not, um, you know, reaped any great benefits of, of him being on the team uh, as far as going deep in the playoffs. So these great players don't make great teams necessarily, but, uh, you know, it looks like uh, you know, your great teams are going to have some great players on them. I, I think that seems obvious. I, I, I think that, yeah, great teams have great players on them, but the definition of a great player, at least in my book, is a guy who makes everyone around them better. So and 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 that's that's a that's a matter of of being being able to find a balance. Rugby is a is is a team game in probably as much so as football or basketball, and and it's a tremendous game. And I and I don't think you just have a singular athlete that can carry a team. It doesn't happen that way. It has to be a very very dedicated team situation. And I think that good teams win. There have been guys who have been outstanding, tremendous athletes who have played the game and have, and have been beaten by better teams because there's nothing they can do about it. There's still 15 guys on that field, seven subs, a couple coaches. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into winning. And one guy, regardless of how athletic he is, is not going to win a game for anybody. Well, I, Bruce, you just said two different things, so I don't understand that because if – if 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 a, a great player makes guys around him better, then the, that the logic of that means that somebody would show up on a mediocre team, and because of his play and his ability to to share his his ability or throughout the game, he makes that team a winner. Wait a second. But then, no, 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 then, no, no, then, no, no, then, no, then you said that they can't happen. No, no. So which what is I said? It? No, what I said is a person with great athleticism does not necessarily make the players around him better my definition of a great player is someone who makes everyone around him better the definition that you guys were using was great athlete and i'm a great athlete doesn't necessarily mean he's a great player or a guy who makes big runs or there's a lot of guys who people think are great who stand out in the midfield and never hit a ruck never make a tackle but all they want to do is run the ball and to me those guys are useless to some people, they're the second coming of Christ, and and you can't win games with those guys. You can only win games with people who do hard work and who try to make everyone around them better and see the game in terms of the team and not in terms of themselves. It's very, very important. It's a, there's a, a huge differential of what I'm saying there. There are guys who are tremendous athletes who are self-centered and don't make anyone better, and they never win. You see it in every sport. You know, it's somebody can be a great player on a losing team. I disagree. You can, you can be. It's not a matter of being a great. It's not a matter of being a great player on a losing team. That's not what I said. No, I said a great player makes everyone around them better. There are guys who are great players who make everyone around them better, and those teams punch above their weight. But sometimes these players are seagulls, and they get given way too much credit, and they're not as good as they think they are. The press thinks they are. Someone else thinks they are. I just think you know. There's a lot of people who have who have gotten accolades that they don't necessarily deserve because they're not as good as people who've given them the accolades think they are. Well, 
that's true in any sport and any situation. But a lot of times, you know, us not getting to watch every team and every get every guy to plays and all these great players, we go off of uh, what we hear from coaches. So when a coach tells me how great one player played, I have to take his word for it because I have uh, no other thing to go off of. And so, you know, and also sometimes hype can be built up through coaches and through coaches wanting to, you know, hype up their player and, and put them on a pedestal and, and, and create more visibility for the program or whatever. But, uh, yeah, and no, I see your point, certainly. But, uh, but the, the overhyped players is nothing, you know, specific or exclusive to rugby. Final thought on this. Uh, two teams went straight from Division Two up to the uh, the. Uh, college premier division Arizona State won their first game Claremont colleges uh punched above their weight maybe uh had a had a good performance in their first game so I I think that's interesting we'll keep an eye on that uh moving on to some other stuff and uh let's check out what what else is going on and Jackie uh on the women's side there's uh there are still some interesting things going on. There's not going to be a, a Premier League for women at, at this time. They're just starting the Premier League for men. But we do know who are the top teams in in the women's uh, women's Division 1 and, uh, and what happened this weekend there. Yeah, they were finding it out in particular in Northern California where they've got four great teams in uh, the Division 1 there. Stanford, obviously, Davis, Chico State, and California. And Chico State in California played this weekend and they finished with a 24 all tie. And the ramifications of that is it, had Chico won, they would have gotten second and gone right to Pacific Coast. But since they finished third, they're going to play in, at, uh, in Utah, both California and Chico State. And I'm going to try and work their way into the Pacific Coast playoffs. Um, well, originally when I heard the score, I assumed it was a you know really close game, tough game. But it turned out Chico State had a 24 to five lead heading into the last 20 minutes of the game. And although uh, Chico coach Alex, I'm scared to pronounce his last name, Chayanta Pillo, <laughs> um, they ended up getting five bin bins, and three of them occurred in the last 20 minutes. So while you know he doesn't want to blame the ref entirely, he the ref a little bit. Um, it was it was a young ref, uh, ref three games and just kind of lost control and started handing out yellow cards. And Chico just kind of backed off um, after controlling the majority of the game and allowed Cal to get back. In. So yeah, twenty four all tie. They, they Chico basically lost second place. Um, that's that's the second tie in that league this year, right? Right. They. Uh, um, Davis and Chico tied. And I mean, talking to Chico now, they kind of saw that as an underperformance. But um, yeah, they're, they ended up in third. I, I mean, but just watching the league, and especially, well, Chico had a big lesson in playing BYU out of the Las Vegas Invitational. And it kind of put things into perspective for the rugby community and also for the team because they answered a couple weeks after that with a 17 5 loss to Stanford. Um, which was the closest game we've seen all season in that league against national finalists. The comment I have about this is that Chico State, first of all, has a reputation for pushing pushing the limits in terms of uh, uh, things that referees like and don't like. 
they are a very f- physical team, and I think the uh, the the what w- what's the code for that? When somebody says they're a really physical team, and then they they keep saying they're really physical, what that means? It doesn't mean they're dirty, but it means that they can get in trouble for st- stuff like that. Especially young players can get perhaps carried away with a certain way of playing, and then and then do something that gets them a yellow card. So in my personal opinion, if Chico State got five yellow cards, then and and and, and I ran into some games today. Uh, Central Washington got got four yellow cards in the second half against Claremont Colleges, and I said, "What did you get the yellow cards for?" And if it was for one thing, you know, the, the then you say, "Well, if it if it's for repeated tackle infringements, then maybe the players should have started p- paying attention to the ref." In this, in Central Washington's case, it was. Uh, you know, somebody took something out, somebody out in the air. There were a couple of tackle things, and there was some other, like a late tackle or something, not wrapping, something like that. They were all individual cases, but it still speaks to an idea of maybe a team just has to rein it in a little bit. So if if I hear five yellow cards, I don't look at the ref, and I I love to blame refs for things. I don't look at the ref. I look at the the team saying, did the did the team get the message from the first yellow card and if not did they get it from the second and the third and it didn't sound like Chico did yeah their first two yellow cards were for something separate like high tackles in the first half and then in the last quarter there it uh, I guess the, the ref had issued a, a blanket warning to you know both teams about uh, yeah like hands in and like breakdown infringement and uh, they I guess Chico didn't back off on their you know heavy coaching style um and they just got you know mixed off one by one and then yeah just completely couldn't couldn't rebound. Alex, I, I you know what? I, I disagree with you there. Referees can't manage a game with yellow cards. That's that's No, that, they can't that, and, and, and what happens is there's there's a difference between managing the game and managing the game through yellow cards. And and I think that referees have to get better at that. Also, especially at the college Premier League level, these guys are being evaluated. And a lot of times the referee will referee to the evaluator, not to what is going to make a better game. So I'm not going to give the referees carte blanche here to say, oh, yeah, they're always right. They're not. And and a lot of the ways they manage the game, but it's also their first game out of the box as well. And so everybody gets a pass. But, you know, you don't want to have a referee affect the outcome of the game unnecessarily. I think that the best referees are you don't realize that they're there. And that, and that's that's the ultimate compliment you can hand to a referee. The ultimate compliment you can hand to a player is he makes everyone around him better. The ultimate compliment you can hand to a referee is that I didn't even notice he was there. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. The, you, can't, you can't manage the game through yellow cards and – um, not to criticize, and I'm not. I'm not going to say a referee should have given yellow cards or shouldn't on on this case. But it it seems evident to me that once the cards start flying around, the 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 players, the captains, ha- can quit pretty simply just talk to the ref and say, "What are we doing? What would you like us to do?" And instead, what happens is you get a uh, you you sometimes have a pissing contest between player and re- ref. Where the players start saying are convinced that what they're doing is right, and the and the the answer is often for this game. You know, the the referee may be wrong, but he's right because he's got the whistle. And I I mean I I've, I've refed games. I'm I'm not a very good ref by the way, but I've refed games where I've actually 
had an argument. I finally pulled my whistle out of my pocket and I dangled it in front of the player and I said, do you have one of these? Said, no, well then, you know, be quiet and go over there. I'm the one who gets to say these things. The problem um, is, what the whistle in your pocket? That might be taking that out of your pocket and holding it in your hand might be the first step to becoming a better ref. No, no, I think I just have to be fitter and pay more attention. Well, well one, one thing from a coaching perspective, just to... You know, as as a word of advice, seventy five percent of all of all the penalties are called called on the defensive team at the tackle. So seventy five percent of all the tackle area penalties are called on the defensive team for reaching in. Whether or not they're correct or incorrect about whether they reach in, it's called on them for reaching in. So in that sense, it's better not to kick the ball and keep it in hand and play phases if you're fit enough to do it, so that you'll get those penalties as people get frustrated and try to reach in. Secondly. On top of that, instead of having your players reach in, it's generally a better tactic to have them drive through the ball and play like a tough nose guard so that they can kind of go in and eat bodies. And as they eat, you're not going to win the ball, but as they eat bodies and the guys have to put four and five attackers in to clear you out of a ruck, that's fine. A, it slows their game down, and B, it lets you play them about 11 or 12 on six or seven. And then you can smash them in, in that subsequent phase. So that may help people stop getting yellow cards and may make the games a little better if you follow those things. So stop kicking and stop going in and grabbing the ball aimlessly. Jackie, what, what, what status then do we have in terms of the pecking order on the West Coast? We've got Stanford and BYU, probably Stanford above BYU. And then where does it go? Um, I still pick. Chico over Davis. Um, and then I, I, I don't know when to mix in the Southern California girls, or UCLA and UC San Diego, but certainly in NorCal, I would put, um, yeah, Stanford, Chico, Davis, California. So taking into consideration um, the Pacific Coast and Southern California, I definitely put Stanford on top, followed by BYU. But I think that's a much closer... Uh, competition than it was in the past. Um, and then I would go with Chico, followed pretty closely by Davis. And then I still pick UCLA over UC San Diego just because they have that uh, playoff experience. And then California to round that out. All right, perfect. Well, we are going to take a quick break. And we will be back in about uh, 15 seconds to talk about... Uh, what the break's all about, so we'll be right back. The RugbyMag.com College Rugby Matrix Show is brought to you by the USA 7's College Rugby Championships, held June 4th and 5th at PPL Park in Philadelphia. 16 of the best College 7's teams in the country are coming back for the second installment of this incredible competition. It'll also be on NBC Sports. But if you're in the area, if you're near Philadelphia, do go and see this. It's a really exciting and uh, fun event. Uh, last year, Utah defeated Cal in overtime in the final, and uh, we're expecting a lot of fun and a lot of excitement coming back. For more information about this tournament, go to usa7cci.com. All right, so we're talking about now the uh, USA 7's Collegiate Rugby Championships. That's the 7's championship that was held a year ago in Columbus, Ohio party town and then this year coming up in june 4th and 5th it's going to be 
in Philadelphia. We already know now the 16 teams that's going to be in. Uh, uh, just about anybody who's a fan of any team that's not in it is pretty, let's say, miffed to to not be in it, which is which is, has been fun. Uh, Bruce, have you been uh, keeping track of of how annoyed everybody is, or what do you think? I think it's absurd that St. Mary's isn't in as an automatic invite. I think it's absurd that life isn't in as an automatic invite. I think it's absurd that Arkansas State's not in as an automatic invite. And I think that because of that, you cheapen the value of the title. That's just my own personal opinion. I think it was I think it was dreadful last year that St. Mary's didn't get invited. And, and I think it's really dreadful this year. And I think that, that you absolutely cheapen the value of the title. No doubt in my mind, I have uh, – I think that's that's very 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 poor form, and I think it was uh, I don't know how it happened, why it happened, or whatever. But you know, if St. Mary's isn't a draw, they seem to get watched a lot on college basketball. So I, it was absolutely a mistake on the part of the organizers. Period. End of sentence. And, and also, not only a mistake, a disgrace. All right. Okay, but but what 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 happens? And I I actually don't know the the story behind this, but I had what but what happens I had, is the St. Mary's always goes to the Sweet Sixteen and never gets. No, no, did, that that's I don't fine. Even what, want to hear. what what but but what if St. Mary's didn't said no? St. Mary's didn't say no, so I know that for a fact. So now go to point <laughs> two. All right, all right. I'm not. No, I don't have a point two. There is no point have, two. There, there is. It's, no it's absolutely a disgrace. Does not is a disgrace, and and obvious and honestly cheapens the value of the title. And then yeah, BYU, well, I mean BYU makes their own choice not to be in, and and that's 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 fair enough. But uh, you know that that's just my opinion. Hey, you probably disagree with it. Hey, you like like you probably disagree with the fact that I think that three divisions are a foregone conclusion, and the fourth division I would say Army's going to make the playoffs. And somebody else is going to make it. So I think the seven out of eight of the CPL are, are a foregone conclusion. And then you guys may all think, "Hey, this guy's out of his mind." Oh, no. Spot on on the uh, on your your CP your CPL or CPD uh, predictions. But you know, St. Mary's, if they if they wanted so sorely to be in it, they had an opportunity to go to Las Vegas and play for it. If they if they if they thought that they uh, you know could do it, they, they they should have gone. And not just sat back and expected an invite. That's what all these other teams, what is it, 28 teams went to Vegas to, to try and fight their way into it and not sit back and expect it. And I think that, you know, if St. Mary's wanted to do if they had gone to Vegas and uh, finished second or third or something along those lines, maybe you'd have a better argument. But they didn't go. BYU didn't go. None of the teams you're talking about went and put in a team. Arkansas State didn't go. Life didn't go. Uh, all, all those teams <laughs> could have gone to Vegas and won. And we're also, I think everybody gets caught up in, this is sevens, not 15s. And I think it's its not, just because you have a good 15s team isn't going to equate to a good 17. Do I think all those teams you've mentioned would have a good 17? Absolutely. But it's not guaranteed. So we can't go off 15th past history of who's going to be good and deserves an automatic invite because they've never played sevens. College sevens is so new that you can't just go off of 15th history. And in college sevens, these guys, you know, St. Mary's has never beaten Boston College in, in seventh. They don't have any common opponents in seventh. So it, it's, a, it's a brand new animal. And if the, the moral of the story is and the message is to every college team in the country, if you want to play in the CRC, you better go down to Vegas and win and win your way in. Because hey, right Pat, now that's the only way to guarantee your spots. Pat, I understand what you're saying. But if you had to bet your life – 
on whether or not St. Mary's would beat Boston College in sevens. You're going to get shot in the head if they lose. If if B, if St. Mary if St. Mary's wins, you're shot in the head. I'll tell you right now, I would be like William Tell betting on St. Mary's. I'd stand there with an apple on my head. St. Mary's would smash 75% of that field. No, I listen. St. Mary's would probably have a fantastic seven side, and you're right. I would have to bet on St. Mary's in that scenario, though I really don't want to go into whatever gambling. But hey, look, you, <laughs> you made a you made a terrific point. Uh, I disagree with it, but you made a terrific point, and it is and it is valid. The the playing for it, I wonder if that's going to get bigger and bigger because it was a it was a huge success this year in terms of teams wanting to go out there, and I I do feel for cuts down. Because they made the final of that qualifier, they played very well. They are a team relatively local to Philadelphia and felt like they could contribute to to the event in in a number of different ways. Which I, you know, I, I nobody can argue with them on a lot of those things. And I think that as we go forward, you you we're looking at these these college tournaments that are springing up and I'm thinking that maybe these college tournaments are starting to going to have they're going to have more value uh Central Washington qualified they won I think there are a lot of I think what people are mostly well first off as you mentioned those other ancillary tournaments and there's one team that has the right to be absolutely livid that they're not in the tournament it's North Carolina State because they won the ACI they won the Atlantic Coast Invitational Steps tournament and they're a big name school they're a big name brand and North Carolina was invited over them. And so not only is it your in-state rival that's invited over you, it's the in-state rival that you beat in that tournament to win the title that's invited over you. And we're not talking about Appalachian State here. NC State is a brand name. There are players in the NFL, NBA, everywhere that are from NC State. So if there's one team that has the right to be angry, in my opinion, it's North Carolina State. But, you know, as far as the qualification system goes, you know, you know, USA 7 sponsored two of these events last year. Who knows where they'll go in the future. Maybe they'll start giving bids to the winner of the ACRL, the winner of SEC 7, the winner of the NCRC. I'm not, you know, people will think that, to me, by me saying that, I've had discussions with somebody in USA 7. They haven't. This is just me spouting off the top of the head. But it's not an impossibility. And the fact of the matter is, is rugby is nowhere near where basketball is right now. And we can't, they, in order to get viewers, They've got to get the best brands, the biggest markets, and the biggest alumni bases interested. They don't want to just get rugby fans. If they just get rugby fans, this thing will be off the air in less than, you know, this will be the last time. They've got to get the the, the average everyday schmo that roots for a college team to watch it. So they're going after the biggest markets and the biggest alumni bases, and that's why we've got what we've got. I think that that is something, uh, a great way to end it. And uh, you're absolutely right. It's a great part of the college, uh, the the college rugby scene. So that's it for our first show, which is pretty good. And we uh, we almost came to blows, but that's all right because we're most of us are on different parts of the country, so we can't uh, we can't actually reach each other. Jackie, thank you very much. And Jackie, of course, if you didn't know, is going to be playing for the Philippines national team over at the Hong Kong Seven. So good luck in Hong Kong. When are you going? Uh, leave uh, New York March 17th. Okay, cool. So we'll have one more show with you, I think. And uh, Bruce McLean, thanks a lot. We'll, we'll be talking soon.
Yeah, it was a pleasure to be on with yeah. you guys. Yeah. Jackie, I, I thought that you were wonderful to be on with. And Pat, you were outstanding. I think you're going to be a, I think you're going to be a really good podcast co-host. That's good. And, and, Pat, and Pat Clifton, thanks a lot. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Well, that is it for show number one of the Rugby Mag College Rugamatrix series. And uh, we'll see you next week.